How do you do? The boys of the Over Six Sports Podcast are back, and uh, we're recording, the, I think, the third time in six days. So by now you know that it's Zach the Bandit Burke here. As always, is with me is Cam, the Turf King, Charlton. Cam, how are we doing? You know what? I don't know if I could be doing much better, Burke. We'll start it off with Thursday. Really happy with the Dolphins draft. Things are going really well. Saturday, couldn't be any happier. Habs pick up a massive win. Cole Caulfield scores in overtime. You know what? I was thinking things couldn't get better, but I was wrong. Yesterday, Montreal-Toronto, they come back. They do it. And in overtime, we get Cole, overtime hero Caulfield, scoring again to beat the Leafs, tie them with the Jets for third place. I'm coming off a high right now, Burke. Things couldn't be better. Perfect weekend betting. This is just unreal right now. I am so happy. How are you doing? Buddy, you were just pumped up. Look at this energy. I come in kind of slow because, I don't know, it's a Tuesday. It's been raining. And then you're just coming out here and you just fire me right up. Uh, I mean, I'm good, man. I'm... uh, uh, there's a lot of stuff that we're going to get into today that I'm psyched for. Obviously, the uh, yeah, the NFL draft was unreal uh, in the first round, and then the rest of it, just overall, um, a great product. We were just talking about uh, the CFL drafts on right now, in case anybody uh, cares or knew about that. But um, No one cares. The- <laughs> no one cares. <laughs> hey, you know what? Someone cares. The, the, just the problem is, is their product is just like they don't even know if they're playing this year. And the, the NFL just puts on just puts on a show. Um, you know, whether it's bringing in old uh, legends of the team to announce picks, bringing fans on the field to sit in Goodell's chair, they just always put on such a good show. Um, and in terms of um, yeah, in terms of hockey, and we'll get into that kind of in our recap. But um, you know, I, I was uh, you know. A good, good for Caulfield, and I kind of was teasing you before that it's Cole the Savior Caulfield. If he was on our podcast, that's that would be his name. Um, I mean, you, and we can kind of get into that later again. But from what I can tell on the ice, like he's he's fitting in okay. The guy's got a bullet of a shot. Um, you know, be nice if he could maybe score five on five because unfortunately there's no three on three in the playoffs. You know that, right? Yeah, I know that. I mean, you saw the one he rang off the crossbar on the power play earlier in the game. He's not playing much five-on-five. Even his minutes yesterday weren't huge. But this guy scored no. His first two NHL goals are in a playoff race in overtime. Just It's it's an unreal story. This kid's just doing what he needs to do. Oh, it is. And I'm just, you know, I'm just giving you a hard time. But, no, I mean, honestly, you know what? Is there anybody? Just uh, look back at our, our careers and – which were very short-lived through uh, through what we've played. But, I mean, you're a goaltender. You've never scored an OT goal in a hockey game, uh, not including ball hockey. That doesn't count. Actual hockey. Um, I have scored a couple, and there's, you know, and that's just, you know, house or mentally or whatever, but there's no better feeling than that. Um, and to score your first two in the NHL is just unreal. And, I mean, I'm just going to touch on the Saturday night again. Everyone was kind of saying Montreal struggling, Calgary and Vancouver on their heels. And this guy just scores his first NHL game goal in overtime at the Bell Center in a playoff race. I don't know if you could script it much better. The biggest downside is, again, it's COVID. There was no fans. But, man, that's just got to be an unreal feeling. I don't know if there's really a much better story. And even to you as a Leafs fan, just as a hockey perspective and a sports fan, talked about how awesome it was. Oh, yeah. it's It, it was really cool to see. I mean, could you just imagine – the bell center and how bananas that place would be going 
No, I mean, this is their biggest prospect since Carey Price. The Bell Centre would have exploded there. I've been there for a game against Toronto on a Saturday night, and there's nothing better than kind of that atmosphere in that building. I mean, it's it's definitely somber when the Leafs win in, in Quebec, in Montreal. Uh, they don't like that too much. Um, in Toronto, if the Habs win, you know, the, the volume's pretty much the same. So you got to give that to the <laughs> you got to give that to the Montreal fans that they care. Yeah. Anyways, moving on from that, we'll get into our draft recap a bit. I know we touched on the first round a bit, but I mean, I'm definitely more into the draft than you are. So, as a Dolphins fan, though, I just want to get your general consensus on how you feel, how the Dolphins did overall. I mean, it's the first round, and again, we we talked about all this on on our uh, draft preview. We talked about it on our recap show. Uh, with Jay Cal from NFL Blitz. Me, and um, you know the general consensus. I mean, among fans was was good. I mean, I, I'm they they got a need right. They grabbed their they grabbed the wide receiver that that they wanted. Um, you know, and and people are saying, especially uh, you know, Eagles fans are like, well, Devonta Smith's the best of this that and the other thing. And it's like, well, the Dolphins could have had him and and chose not to, right? So obviously, there's something about Waddle that they really liked. And also to, to get a guy that too has played with, as we've talked about. And then the one thing that I saw today um, was uh, was just, you know, I, I, somebody had, a reporter had talked to a GM or somebody in the NFL, and they had said that uh, the Jets and the Bills and the Patriots were all pretty cranky that the Dolphins picked up Jalen Phillips. Yeah, I mean, it was a great pickup. And I mean, even if you're moving into the second round, I know we touched on the first quite a bit. They had some great picks. I love that they got a Canadian now. Just Mm -hmm. adds to wanting to cheer for the Dolphins. A great safety. First safety gone when nobody really thought he was going to be the first safety gone. And then they picked up a really plug-and-play offensive lineman in that second round, which really, I mean, I would have loved to see them grab a running back, but the guys weren't there when they were picking. So overall, for me, it's a great draft. Well, and they picked up a running back in the seventh round, right? So I mean they got somebody, but the thing is too, right? Is 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 that, you know, the guys that, you know, the guys that they have, um, to to use one of your early picks on a running back just seems a little bit a little bit silly. I mean you look at lots of really successful teams and even the Chiefs, right? The Chiefs picked up Lev Bell middle of the season. There's oftentimes going to be solid. Not not unreal, but there'll be solid running backs who are veteran running backs that'll be available in free agency that you can grab. The big thing is, is that if your O-line is garbage and they can't create holes for your running back, then I don't care. Well, unless it's, uh, um, you know, Dalvin Cook or, or Derrick Henry, like unless you're one of those two or Alvin Kamara, if you're, unless you're one of those three guys, seriously, like if your O-line can't do much, then you're not getting through anyways. Well, the other big thing that people aren't talking about with the Dolphins as much is having Will Fuller there and now Jalen Waddle. You're just going to have to force the defenders to spread the field more. With their quickness and stuff, you can't stack the boxes easily. So that's going to open it up a little bit for the running backs. Well, and I also oh. think that, sorry, I also think that Mike, Mike Gusecki as well. Um, again, this hasn't been talked about a ton, but Tua and uh, and Fitz really leaned on Mike Gusecki a, a lot last year. He was one of the the better tight ends, especially in fantasy. Um, I would be tempted to take a run on him again this year because you're going to have Fuller and Waddle completely stretch the field. You'll have Gusecki underneath, and that's a big boy, big body, good hands. Um, and I mean, hey, you're giving Tua options instead of just having him make a quick throw into, into space that he shouldn't, he's going to have a lot more options. Hopefully he guns it downfield. And uh, how long till uh, football? It, it, three months, three, four months. Yeah. It uh, seems like it's forever away still. 
<laughs> but it's got to be a weird draft overall. I mean, I've really heard from almost any football fan that their team did well, which is kind of crazy. Usually there's always a team or two where you think, oh, they did horrible. We looked at the Raiders in the first round and we're like, oh, they did horrible. But then they pick up Mooring in the second round and you're like, if you flip those picks, actually, you don't really hate their draft either. It's just where they drafted the guys. So it seemed like it was kind of a weird draft in that way where every team did really well. Well, and and I mean, the reality is, is that only time will tell, right? I mean, if if Trevor Lawrence flames out in his first year, which by all indications he won't, um, or if, uh, you know, Justin Fields at 11 um, with the Bears, right? I mean, if he... Uh, and I made a joke on our previous podcast that if he, uh, you know, future bust, right? If he goes bust and they traded, they traded a lot of draft capital to get him, right? So everybody has a good draft in their minds. I mean, this is the same thing as fantasy football, man. There's there's very few times at the at the start of fantasy football you draft your team and you're like, oh yeah, I got a crap team. Everybody thinks they have a good team. And then you lose Barkley and Sutton within two weeks and your uh, <laughs> season goes downhill in a hurry. Well, exactly. Right. That's the thing is, is it take, takes a couple weeks into the season and then you're like, oh shit, we're still, we're still not so good. And this guy doesn't play well. Um, I mean, like pretty sure I wasn't not, not Isaiah Wilson last year. I mean, if you would have asked uh, who drafted him last year, was it, ten, was it Tennessee? Yeah. Tennessee drafted him. So ask Tennessee last year. Hey, Tennessee, did you have a great draft? They're like, oh, yeah, I picked, I had a great draft. They say, well, since a stud. Ask them a year later and see how they feel about it. Yeah, exactly. So only time will tell. Hopefully uh, football season is here sooner than later, but we got a lot of NHL stuff to talk about. And, I mean, we got to start it off with the headline this week and these last couple of days, and that's Tom Wilson from last night. I mean, I'll touch base on my thing. My thing is you have to, when you're going to suspend a player, you look at what happened on the ice. Is it suspendable? Is it not? If it's not, we don't even talk about it. We move on. If it is, then you can add the fact in that it's Tom Wilson. Do I like the play he did to Buchnevich? No. Everyone's talking about the Panarin play. To me, Panarin jumped on his back. Yeah, he probably took it a little far, but that's a wrestling match. That happens all the time. Like Romanov and Josh Norris had that the other day. Romanov didn't drop the gloves right away. That stuff happens. I don't really like the hit on Buchnevich, but again, I don't know if it was suspendable. So to me, I think the fine is the right thing to do. I don't know where you stand on this, though. Yeah, I'm in 100% agreement, honestly, and that's very rare between us when it comes to, you know, player safety stuff, because we've had disagreements on a lot of stuff about that for a while. Um, This one to me, when I watched the clips, you know, and and social media just erupted with, um, you know, people calling out Wilson, this, that, and the other thing saying he doesn't need to be in the league anymore. And I'm like, you know, what has happened? I mean, like, if you look at the stuff that Tom Wilson's done in his career, this like Scott Stevens did a hundred times worse than that in his career. Scott Stevens would lay people out and it was a different time in hockey for sure. But everybody loves Scott Stevens. Every, like most hockey players, like especially people like you and me who were, you know, grew up in the nineties watching the guy. You're like, yeah, Scott Stevens was a legend and he laid out some of the dirtiest body checks ever. But at the time they were considered for the most part acceptable. And then now we're getting into a time period where a guy's lying on the ground. And by the way, it's not like Wilson like did a huge windup and drove his face into the ice. He gave him a little for like a little tap. If you watch the video close, the, the amount of force that you're going to put on a guy to the side of the helmet, because it wasn't the back of the head. It was the side, it was the side of the helmet. Yeah. Okay. The guy's in a, in a vulnerable position. But he, he, he barely touched him in terms – because there's lots of things that have been worse. And then the Panarin thing, like, 
you don't know who that is. And, and, you know, somebody had commented, well, if he did that, if he did what he did to Panarin to a star player, then it would have been a suspension. And I'm like, yeah, well, the problem with that is, is that a smart player wouldn't have gone and tried, like, if you're a star player, you're not going into the scrum and tackling Tom Wilson. That's just stupidity. And the other argument there is Panarin is a star player. He just did a dumb thing yesterday. And again, like, there is 31 NHL GMs starting next year with the Kraken who want Tom Wilson on their roster. What he did last 100%. night is Tom Wilson stuff. The thing on Navish is not going to, like, they say it's all going to kill Buchnevich and there No, there wasn't enough force there. I get it. He injured Panarin. Don't jump on the guy's back. Push him. Do something else. You jump on a guy's back and try and headlock him. That just puts you in a bad position. That stuff that Tom Wilson did last night is some of the stuff that makes him such a good player in this league. I agree. He crosses the line way more than he should. But So he's going to get in trouble. He's going to get fined. But you still love that on your team, especially come playoff time. Well, let's talk about this then. Let's, I mean, there, there's so many different storylines to this because then the Rangers came out recently, uh, you know, within the last four or five hours. And, you know, they basically released a statement saying they're really disappointed with uh, George Peros in the Department of Player Safety. Um, they basically say that uh, that, and I'm paraphrasing, of course, but Peros is is unfit to do his job and is not protecting players. So the Rangers are going to get fined for that, a hundred percent. You know, Gary Batman's not going to let him get away with calling out his guys. Um, but I mean, the thing is, and we've kind of touched on it, right? Like, just because a player has a past history, and you hit it right on the head, right at the start, it's like, is it suspendable or is it not suspendable? Just be, and and like just because it's a dirty player doing something dumb does not automatically mean it's a suspension. Because if that's the case that you're gonna go on, then like there, there's too many variables to look at. So then so then what? Like every single time there's a there's a hit that's a questionable hit, it's a suspension automatically. Like I just like where where do you draw the line? It's such a slippery slope. And and the thing is is like these kinds of players are gonna happen. Yes, I don't like that he punched a guy lying on the ice, but we've all been there before. Every single every every single time you play in a competitive game, somebody's getting hit in a way that seems dirty, and it and and is dirty, frankly, and it comes from both sides all the time. But it's Tom Wilson, and the the hockey world just freaks out. John Scott came out and saying crap like, "Oh, it's the most gutless thing I've ever seen." Blah blah blah, buddy. Let's remember that you tried to fight Phil Castle in a preseason game. Like, like take, take a fucking chill pill, man. Like, that's just absolutely ridiculous. That is not the most gutless thing I've ever seen in hockey. Like just pipe down, take a seat. Well, and you see it every, or not every game, but every game where there's a lot of emotion, there's guys getting punched on the ground up front of the net. There's guys in wrestling matches all the time. We've seen it so much this year, especially early on in the year with all this playing the same team over and over again. So to me, last night was something that just happens in hockey. I know people hate hearing that statement, but that's just stuff that happens in hockey. If you want to get rid of that, then I think you got to really get rid of hitting. Let's get rid of fighting. But that's not hockey to me. Yeah, I don't agree. He shouldn't punch guys when they're on the ground, but it happens. If it wasn't Tom Wilson, this wouldn't even be a discussion today. No, not even at all. And actually, the one thing, the last thing on this before we move on, but the Rangers come out and say, yeah, his actions put Panarin out for the rest of the season. Chill the fuck out, man. It's three games. The Rangers are already eliminated from the playoffs. Like, oh, he's out for the season. Yeah, he's out for three games, guys. Because your season's over. Because you didn't make the playoffs. So, 
there's a lot of bravado going on with this. I just, you know, what? And, and I guess you could say, well, we need to defend, we need to defend our star players. Well, yeah, your star players just don't need to be idiots and go and try to stir some stuff up. You know who I felt really bad for watching that clip was the linesman. The two linesmen in the bottom trying to separate guys, and there's guys like stepping all around them, still throwing punches, and I'm like, holy shit, these guys aren't getting paid enough. Well, and that's the thing is they, yeah, the linesman, I don't even know. That's, that's a scary spot to do. Like I've been raffing before and I'm like, when that stuff happens, I'm like, no, you guys are on your own. I'm not getting involved. I'm not getting injured. But when we're talking about star players, we've seen star treatment. We talked about it earlier. We had McDavid just throw a brutal elbow at Kakanyemi earlier this season. There was no suspension. There was nothing there. And again, if that was Tom Wilson, everyone would lose their mind and want him out of the league. So there is a little star treatment there. But I just, I, this is hockey to me. This is just what's going to happen. And then get ready for a couple of weeks. If you couldn't watch that last night, you can't watch playoff hockey. No, 100%, man. I, I'm completely on board with you on that because, I mean, we all know. And this is why playoff hockey is the best hockey in the world. And and if you don't like it and you're like, oh, we're just here to watch the nice goals and the passing. The physicality is part of that. It's all intertwined in the game. And by us saying that physicality is a part of hockey, I just want to clarify to make it crystal clear. By by us saying that physicality and that rough play is a part of hockey is not us condoning punching guys in prone positions on the ice. That's that's not what we're saying. But the 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 more so that the level of intensity and and the emotions that boil over and Panarin getting thrown to the ground and the scrum behind the net like all of those things that's a part of the game and oftentimes it, you know what and it could be even if it, sometimes um, you know plays that people are like oh it's not that bad like a guy spears a guy right like spears him right in the gut that's a fa- that's a match penalty and but people are like oh shake it off whatever no man you speared a guy and it's a match penalty which is significantly worse than the than the four minute hit to the head or two minute roughing that Tom Wilson did. Yeah. And that's the thing. Exactly that. Like this is hockey to me by no means. Do I want to see a guy get injured? And I hope Panarin's fine. I hope he has a quick recovery and there's no issues long-term there. I don't like to see guys get injured, but it happens in hockey. There's injuries all the time. We saw it in the Toronto Montreal game last night. Foligno got injured. There was no play there. He just stopped. So there's injuries and there's plays in hockey. There's physicality. That's hockey. If you don't like it, don't watch it and don't watch playoff hockey. Go watch NBA then because they there's a that's a completely different level. Right? You want to talk about star treatment, you had mentioned that earlier. You want to talk about star treatment? Guys of the NBA get star treatment all the time and it is so annoying, especially as a Raptors fan. Like do you, does does anybody remember watching LeBron get to uh, get to shoot like 25 free throws a game for not getting touched at all? Yeah, and that's it. If you want to see the star treatment and you're going to bring that up in this argument, you're watching the wrong sport. There is Go watch a KHL. Star... Go watch KHL. Yeah. Go watch Putin basically like throw an extra puck on the ice and have his team bat it in and be like, nope, that was the original puck. Well, anyways, speaking of stars, we got to speak about one of maybe the stars in Canada over the last 20 years here. Mike Weir finally that's getting a, a win. That's such a stretch. <laughs> 2003 is one of the greatest Canadian sports moments in my yes. life. This guy will always be a star in my heart, Burke. Yes, yes. Well, okay. Let's, yes, star in your heart. I don't know about Canadian star over the last 20 years, but continue. This guy, this guy's good. This is good. Yeah, Mike Weir finally got it done. He uh, beat John Daly down the stretch. So I just want to touch base on that. What kind of golf course really rewards both Mike Weir's style of play and John Daly's <laughs> style of golf. 
<laughs> like I want to go see, play I... this golf course. <laughs> it's it's true. I mean, um, though I I didn't see any clips uh, of John Daly. I saw a couple of of Mike Weir, but was John Daly out there on his with his flip flops, like hacking darts and and drinking whiskey like the whole time, or was he actually like dialed in? I didn't actually see most of it, but I just know he still overswings it, tries to hit it a mile, and Mike Weir's the complete opposite. So I just didn't know how those two were competing on the same golf course. Like, you don't see Kevin Kisner and Dustin Johnson competing on the same golf no. course. There's no. different golf courses that suit their games. That's what this just threw me off, that those two would compete on the same golf course. But it's great to see it from Mike Weir. He's really struggled to get back in the winner's circle. He's been close on the Champions Tour a few times, and it's just great to see it. He's, again, one of the greatest golfers in Canadian history. One of the greatest moments in Canadian history is him winning the Masters. So to see him back on top, even in the Champions Tour, is awesome to see. Well, and especially since he blew. Like, he had a big lead going into the final day on uh, probably about a month ago, before the Masters. I think he had a three- or four-stroke lead, and he just choked it away down the stretch, right? So... Um, you know, he's, he's not that old, but what's crazy to me is, is that like guys like, and it just shows like completely different level of, um, of golf where Phil Mickelson goes and plays on the champions tour and he rattles off. Like how many did he win? Three? He won quite a yeah, few. Yeah. Two or three of his first starts. They were his first ones too. He was a hundred percent until he finally lost one. Right. Like he just went in and crushed it. And this guy's also placing not top 20 in the masters. 21st in the masters i'm still choked up about that sorry uh but he but he's competing at both levels right so um well it's not hard if i mean it, it's i think it's hard to compete at the pga if you're racking it up on the on the champions tour but we don't want to talk about phil we're talking about our boy mikey weir unfortunately we're not going to get plus a hundred thousand odds uh for him to win on the champions tour or we put a few bucks down on that but uh always good to see where's he where's he get a dub and and uh, hopefully that's the first of many for him on the Champions Tour. Yeah, and it should. The Champions Tour fits his game really well. They play a lot of shorter courses, and that's where Phil just bombed it around when he won. So it's nice to see Mark Weir finally do it, and hopefully this is one of many. So we're moving along to our last big headline of the weekend, and, I mean, I just got to let you take this one. Medina Spirit! Yes, sir. The Kentucky Derby. Um so I'm like, I'm super pumped about this because uh, you know what? It's kind of weird. Last year I bet on the Kentucky Derby. Um, I, I bet on authentic to place top three and he, and he won. So I was a little choked because I think the odds were like four to one for him to place um, or to show. Sorry. So it's win, place, show. So one, two, three for anybody who's not a, a horse gambling person. And they call it the most, the, the, the most exciting two minutes in sports. And I have to say. Uh, my my son would agree because during this race uh, I was screaming in my living room and scared the living daylights out of my 11 month old son who had to go crying to his mother because dad was yelling and screaming in the living room and why was I yelling and screaming in the living room well because the 12 to 1 horse Medina Spirit uh, horse number 8 Held the race the entire time. Got pushed by Soup and Sandwich briefly, although Soup and Sandwich uh, flamed out pretty quick. And really held the whole Kentucky Derby the whole way, and won by about a length. And uh, and so you know, I put uh, I put twenty bucks down at twelve to one. Um, I'll briefly explain. Like, not a lot of people do a lot of horse racing stuff, and I'm not going to say I'm an expert or anything. I just did a little bit of research on it, and here's kind of my 
thought process. So, so Bob, Bob Baffert is the trainer. And since, and so by the way, this guy's worth $30 million. So he gets paid very well to be a trainer. Just so you know, I think I'm in the wrong profession because 30 million net worth as a trainer, like, holy crap. Uh, but he, he, since 2015, he's had three horses win the Kentucky Derby and two of those have gone on to win the triple crown. And that was, uh, one of them was American Pharaoh and authentic was his horse as well. And I forget the third one, but he's basically won 50% of Kentucky Derby since 2015. So I look at that and say, okay, so I got a 12 to one horse, which is a Bob Baffert horse. And he's won 50% of the time. So you're giving me 12 to one odds for a 50, 50 chance. Sign me up, sign me up, hit it. I texted you before. I'm like, Cam, Medina spirit. Let's go. You jumped on board. It was a good race for both of us. And I just was so fired up for the rest of that day. Yeah. I mean, I really didn't even understand what I was betting. I was starting the day off just by betting a couple names. I liked or a couple things I randomly heard on Twitter then you sent over a couple research things and I'm like, yeah, that means nothing to me. But I'll throw 10 bucks. <laughs> I'll throw 10 bucks down at 12 to one. An hour later, you're like going off in the group chat, texting me saying, oh, he won, he won. So I look at my account and yeah, 120 bucks up for doing nothing for two minutes. And I didn't look at anything. So I appreciated it. Oh yeah, absolutely, man. And Hey, as I said, like, I'm not an expert by any means, but horse racing is exciting. The Preakness, which is the second leg of the triple crown runs May 15th. So you can bet that I will be uh, going in on that. Um, I am tempted to put a future down on Medina spirit. I haven't looked up the line, but Medina spirit to get the triple crown. I'm going to have to do some research into that. I'll probably touch base on that next week. Um, but, uh, Hey, if it's, it's a Bob Baffert horse, man, 50, 50, He's got two triple crowns in the last six years. What's not to throw down a couple bucks on Medina Spirit? Let's fucking go. So we'll move on to the rest of our weekend recap here. All our NHL games. And let's start it right off the top with the Habs and Sens. I mean, this was the Cole Caulfield night. The Saturday night we've already touched on. Overtime, the comeback kids did it again. They were down two goals on Friday against Winnipeg. Came back, won it. They were down two goals to Ottawa. In the third period, came back, won it. They were down a goal yesterday, came back and won it. These kids are just coming back. And Cole Caulfield just stepped up on Saturday. You thought the Sens were going to be pesky and be a thorn in the side, but no pesky Sens on Saturday night. And this is this is the one that I missed, right? Like I had uh, I had Sens over Habs. I went three for four on the weekend, but um, you know I had the Sens here. So it, it this was a, it went to overtime, a coin flip about who which of us is going to have a perfect weekend. But by the way, props to both of us for for doing well this weekend. Um, but you know it's um, yeah, I mean it, it it wasn't a shock to me to see the Sens you know, basically, you know, take it to the Habs. They got nothing to lose. It's all about, at this point, it's all about development. Get your young guys as much ice time as they can. Um, but, and as you said, you alluded to this last week was that the Habs were going to play with desperation because they had to a couple weeks ago. I said, hey, like, it's coming down to crunch time here. They got to get it done. And uh, and they're starting to get it done. Um, I did laugh briefly um, that, uh, that you know, Calgary, you know, Mike, Mark Giordano came out today and said, we still believe we have a playoff chance. There, there's no chance. The, the chance is gone. It's it's over. It's like the, the, the top four teams, it's, it's, it's Leafs at one, probably Edmonton at two, and then the Habs or Winnipeg swap three, four, whatever way it ends. We know the four teams coming out of the north. 
Yeah, you know the top two teams are set in stone now. It's who's going to be where when it comes to three and four, but you know it's Montreal and Winnipeg. Last thing I want to touch about Saturday is Montreal just huge gut check. They hadn't played great through two periods. In overtime in the third period, they outshot Ottawa 21-3. to They kind of knew they needed to get the win and just showed up and did what they can. They're struggling through a lot of injuries right now, but they're doing what they can to get the wins when they need to. Yeah, and that's all they got to do. So then our second, uh, so, so you got that one. You had Habs, so you, yep. got, uh, you got one win here. So we'll move into the next game, and the Leafs just really took it to the Canucks on Saturday. It was weird looking at all the stats. The stats actually weren't in the favor greatly, but you kind of expect that occasionally from the Leafs, but they can score goals when they need to. Well, and that's, uh, you said it right there, man. Like they just, Matthews with another couple, um, you know, he scored one last night. He's sitting at 39. Um, you know, this guy's scoring goals and we've, we've talked about this and, and we don't have to overanalyze this game too, too much. I mean, as I said, the Leafs are just, you know, after Vancouver beat them, uh, the week before you kind of knew that they were going to, you know, shape everything up and, and start to play a little better against Vancouver. You knew that was coming. Um, let's just take a minute though and, and talk about, uh, Austin Matthews, you and I, you and I have, have talked about this a little bit, uh, just over text. And th- this guy scores goals. Like it, it just follows them around. I, I like, and, and I, I kind of said this too. It's like, he just knows when to shoot. It's not that he's got the harder shot in the league. It's not that he's the most accurate shot in the lead in my opinion, but he just knows when to release. And sometimes you get lucky, but sometimes you got to be lucky to be a great goal scorer. Yeah, he's just one of those guys who I watch a ton, and I'm like, I don't understand how he has run away with the goal-scoring thing. You just watch him on an every game, and you watch Saturday. Like, both pucks hit off Vancouver D and went in the net. Last night, it kind of, he was a great tip, but it still hit Kulak up front. You're just like, all these just seem to go in for him, and then he's just 10 goals ahead of everybody else in the league. And it's just, it's a little mind-boggling. Yeah, he always in the right spot. He has great hands. He has a really good release. It's just kind of weird because I don't really understand it, but he does it so well. Well, and, and not only that, I mean, like, let's just, like, there's people saying, well, he's playing with Marner, so this is why he, this is why he scores all his goals. I mean, yes, Marner sets him up for, for some, not for some shots. Um, but, like, if you look at all of the goals, how many for Matthews have been tap-ins? And last night should have been a tap-in, by the way, two on O in overtime, like, you got to score that. We're not going to talk about that too much, but Matthews Marner, um, you you told me that you basically walked away from your TV because you thought it was over, and they met, they didn't get a shot on net on a two and zero, so that happened. Um, but but yeah, like Marner finds Matthews, which is great, but it's not like he finds him for tappins back door all the time. That almost never happens. No, a lot of the passes are really good and stuff, and it's hard to say. Like, it's such a weird stat. I can't remember the exact percentage, but they have a crazy high percentage of the amount of uh, Austin Matthews goals that Marner has assists on. Like, it's higher than anybody all time or something like that. I think you said 85. That stuck out to me in my head. I don't know why, but... Yeah, I can't remember the exact percentage, but it's like setting records. It even beat, like, Oates and Hall and, like, Backstrom Ovechkin. So that was... It's kind of a weird stat. It's one of those that I don't know how much to look into because does Marner make Matthews that much better? Does Matthews make Marner that much better? I think it's a little bit of both. I think I don't think either of them would have the points or goals without each other, but I still think they'd be both really good players. And this is the reality of playing in the NHL, though, right? Like you're, you're going to like it doesn't matter necessarily who you play with. If you gel with a player and you're on the same team, like for people to say, oh, well, those points don't count. Yeah, they do. They, they do. They're, they're, it's just as valid of a stat, man. Like just because, I mean, yeah, sure. If, you know, like a good example, I think is like Tyler Toffoli scored 28, 29. 
So he's not playing with Marner, right? But he, he's putting pucks in the net, but he's also got some goals on the power play. He's got some other stuff that that's done, right? Like the goal, um, you know, on the power play last night was basically a tap in off of a great pass, right? So, you know, it, it can just be said, I'll, the point I'm trying to make is, is that any goal scorer, if you've got a whole bunch of them, you want to say, okay, Ovi's got how many from him getting teed up from his office and the top of the circle, right? Like, it is what it is. Goal scorers are going to score. Goal scorers are going to score. Uh, Leafs took the dub. We both have the Leafs on that one. So you're sitting at two and zero right now. Yeah, I just want to make one last point on Matthews. The only thing I think would be curious about Matthews is if he could run a line on his own without Marner for an extended period of time. You watch Sidney Crosby or Connor McDavid. It doesn't matter who you throw on their line. They just improve those players so much. You look at like Sheary, Rust, all these guys who've been on Gensel, these guys who've played with Crosby. McDavid's played with a whole bunch of different wingers. I know at times on the power play, he plays with dry side a lot, but a lot of five on five, they don't play together and he still just puts up the points. So I think it would be curious to see Matthews by himself trying to run a line and see if he could drive a line. I have no idea. Nobody knows. Yep. Nobody's yep. seen it. So I just think that'd be a curious thing. And that's kind of my last remark on that. By the way, two, two years ago, I would, I would say that he probably can't this year. He's just an absolute beast. I think he could do it, but yeah, so you're two and oh, I'm one and one moving into our third game. Yeah. And I mean, Oilers took it to the flames and what is Connor McDavid doing right now in the <laughs> NHL? This guy is like, I forget what it was. It was 12 points. He needed in six. Was it five games? 12 points in five he needed or 12 points in six. He's he now to down to nine points in six games. He needs now. Okay, so he must it must have been like 12 and 7 or something stupid, right? Like this guy and I think there was a line on Bodog about that. It was like for him to get to hit 100 points, it was like minus 110 and I'm like, man, that should have been like minus 400. I'm sorry. But if you're going to give Matthews minus odds to score every night, you have to give massive minus odds for McDavid to get to 100 points. Um the, like seriously in 6 games with who they're playing, McDavid could legit put up 110 points and that would not shock me yeah i mean he just put up four points again last night it's just like what matthews is doing with goals this year is actually quite incredible but what mcdavid's doing in points is unheard of especially in the last 20 years it's remarkable and just watching him do it every night i just i've never seen a player like him in my lifetime like crosby's great ovechkin's great these guys are great players but the things McDavid does on the ice, I've never seen before. And it's just remarkable. And he's going to get to 100 points in 56 games. And it's just insane. Well, and, and what's his pace then? Right? Like, if he's, uh, like, he's scoring, like, at a, if he gets to 100 points after 56, he's, he's 1.78 points per game, right? So, like, this guy's on pace for, like, if he played an 82-game season, he'd be 146 points. Yeah, if, if he's just... scoring at the same place, like it's and 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 take into consideration, yes, he's going to play arguably more difficult teams, right? But he's also going to play teams like Buffalo and um, like Anaheim and San Jose and other teams in the West that are dumpster fires. Like this guy could have put up more if we were playing a regular year. It's just insane. Yeah, that's my only argument. Whether we want to talk about teams in the other divisions being weaker or stronger, this is by far the highest scoring division. All teams in general. 
There's more goals allowed in this division. There's more goals scored in this division. So it'll be curious to see how much those numbers come down for both McDavid and Matthews. But let's just enjoy it while they're doing it this season. And, I mean, I'm looking forward to it. I hope he does it. I want to see it. I want to see history this season. And the Oilers just picked up and beat the Flames. And McDavid just looks like he's on a mission to beat everyone by himself if he needs to. So run into the end of the year here. Well, yeah, and I and I had uh, I had Edmonton Edmonton taking that game. Uh, you kind of were uh, hedging happiness a little bit, I guess, right? You, you took Calgary, try to jinx them. I think you're happy to take the L there. No, I took Oilers. Did you? Yeah, I took Oilers to did hedge my. For, did you go four for four? Yeah, man, I went four for four. I went all oh. happiness, hoping that the Oilers would beat the Flames that the Leafs would beat the Canucks to stop that from happening. Those two teams catching and then the Habs winning. That's right. I do remember. Yeah. I do remember you saying that you're, that you're going with your heart this week, not with your head. Cause I think that you said, Oh, Calgary might take it, blah, 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 but I'm going Edmonton because I need them to get it done. So there you go. Yeah. So there you go. So you're three for three. I'm two for three moving into our locks. You want to start with Jake's lock? Yeah. I mean, Jake took the pens and the pens actually got it done. I mean, just don't bet on them when I bet on them. Cause I bet on them last night and they give up seven and look like an absolutely <laughs> terrible team. But Jake told me to take them on Saturday and he was right. So Jake, our guests are now a perfect one for one, one for one, 100%. Well, Burke, our guests are a hundred percent. How are you doing? What did you do this week? One hundred percent still alive, baby. Still alive. I uh, mixed it up again this week. Took the Golden Knights over the Coyotes. There was a sweat on there. It did go to OT. Um, I know that uh, one of the comments that you had made was uh, uh, taking another you know top team against a lower team. The thing is, though, man, like you never know, especially at the end of the year. Um, this is why I don't mind to mix it up. Well, actually, I will argue my own point from last week. It's okay. actually probably a better time to take the Coyotes overall. Vegas is pretty much locked into a playoff spot, and the Coyotes are fighting for their lives for the last one on Saturday. So if you went the other way, it would actually made sense. You will see over these last couple of weeks, teams like Vegas, Colorado, Toronto, lose a couple more than you're accustomed to. They're going to be resting a few players, just preparing for playoffs, maybe not caring as much about the games. So if you get teams who are in these tight battles, they're going to be giving it their all and trying to get into the playoffs. So I will kind of go against my own point there and say that maybe it is closer than Vegas versus Arizona should be. All right. So it wasn't a bad lock is what you're saying. It was, it was an okay lock. It doesn't really matter. It's still a hundred percent and it's still a different team. Um, just on that point, though, by the way, about teams doing stuff they shouldn't, Timothy Lilligren was killing penalties last night for the Leafs. Like, I okay, I, I get it. You don't want your good guys to get blocked shots, but I, I, just, I saw that and I was like, oh, okay, that's what we're doing. All right, Keith just doesn't give a fuck right now. That's, that's, that's fine. That's fine. But, uh, but yeah, 100% on locks, three for four, Cam, that's, that, that four for four has got to pick your stats up a little bit. Yeah, I mean, I finally, that four for four was huge for me. It brings me back over the 50% threshold, yes. up to 52%. Let's go. Let's go. I just need another big week this week and get it back in. You are killing it now, though, Burke. Three for four this week. You're at 65%. Woo! In NHL betting, that is just phenomenal. 100% in locks. Like, that's just something to be really proud of in the betting world, in hockey Consi- especially. 
Thank you. Considering that I was at 48% about a month and a half ago and we, and we were wondering if I was ever going to do anything with it. I've gotten to a nice groove here. I'm, uh, I'm feeling things out. Well, we're still picking on Tuesdays, not changing picks before Saturdays recently. Going to try to keep the locks going. I have a feeling that my lock streak is going to end probably on the last, uh, I think we got two weeks left in the season, right? So um, my, uh, my lock's probably going to end in the last week. I think that's going to be the hardest one to do. Um, before this, I, I found it relatively easy, but as I said, I'm going to keep trying to mix it up as best I can, considering that, um, you know, considering that we're not, we're not, I'm not taking Canadian teams, so I got to take it from somewhere else. So, um, we'll see how it goes, but if both of us are over, if I'm over 60%, I'm happy. If you're over 50%, then, uh, then you're going to be happy. Let's see if we can get you up to 60% though. Yeah, let's go. Let's uh, keep this momentum rolling into this week, and we'll start it off with the third game, and I mean the Habs' fourth game of the week, Leafs versus Habs on Saturday night. Where do you see this going? What do you see happening on Saturday? So I, I took a couple different angles here this week. Um, I'm not just going to go money line. I, I'm taking the Leafs over the Habs in regulation. Um. So I, I think that there, there is something to be said about trying a couple different things, but I also think that you do want to have, you know, confidence against the team. So I could see the Leafs saying, okay, last night we played, we're doing Lilligren on the, on the penalty kill. You know, we've got Matthews taking the draw instead of Spezza. You know, Keith's going to learn from all those things. I think that tomorrow night you're going to see, again, um, <clears throat> trying out different things. And then I think Saturday they're going to come out and they're going to say, hey, you know, if they, if they lose tomorrow night, it doesn't really matter. They, they, they've only got three more games left. They're going to say, hey, let's get everything we've got here. Let's try to let let the Habs know what's, you know, what we're made of, what they can expect if they see us in the playoffs. And I think they get it done in regulation. It's probably going to be Riddick and Net tomorrow night. It'll be Campbell back and Net on Saturday. Um, I'm comfortable with that. Leafs over to Habs in regulation. It's Thursday night, not tomorrow night there, Burke. But uh, Montreal oh, plays oh, Ottawa sorry. tomorrow. Thursday night. Thursday night, yes, Montreal yes, plays right. Ottawa tomorrow. Toronto on Thursday. This is where it gets interesting. From what we're hearing, Carey Price will travel to Toronto on Thursday and be available. I got to trust in the, go with the herd here again. The Habs are going to come out and win that game. The one guy we haven't talked about at all recently who's just stepped up when Montreal's needed is Nick Suzuki. The guy had three assists last night. He's been phenomenal. And I mean, as a Habs fan long-term, he just gets super excited seeing Suzuki to Caulfield. It's it's a great play and it's something to be excited about. So I'm going to go Habs on Saturday. I think they're going to lose the back-to-back on Thursday, but want to bounce back on Saturday. Well, and you got Suzuki in the Domi trade, right? Was that the one you got him in? That was the Pacioretty trade. So oh, they the traded Pacioretty. Max Pacioretty for Thomas Tatar, Nick Suzuki, and a second-round pick. Yeah, that's a good trade. I mean, Patches has done really well in Vegas, but uh, hey, Suzuki's been a stud for them. So, I mean, I can't blame you. I mean, it's unfortunate because, you know, we're, we're kind of we're going opposites here. Usually I like to go opposites, but I'm trying to beef up our stats here. So I guess we'll see. So we'll move into the second game then, and we have the Jets and Sens. Sens are just trying to be pesky. They beat the Jets last night. They're just trying to make it even worse. The Jets have lost seven in a row. They look like a horrible team now, losing Ehlers. Their team's just really falling apart. Hellebuck looks awful. The Leafs, ever since they played those last couple games against the Leafs, they haven't been able to get it together, and Hellebuck's looked brutal. Where do you see this one going? Well, I, I've kind of flip-flopped on this. Originally, I had I had Winnipeg bouncing back. The, the sense can be pesky, but what I what I see happening here 
is, and it's kind of, this is kind of the coward's way out, but I'm taking Sens plus one and a half. Um, I think the line is going to be, is going to be okay on it. It'll probably be like minus 150, something like that. Um, I'll take Sens plus one and a half. So they got to lose by no more than one. I think, I think there's a good chance they're going to win. Um, but I also could see it just being, being a, you know, a three, two game with Winnipeg barely squeak, squeaking by. I mean, they have to have some desperation. I don't think Winnipeg wants to play the Leafs in the first round. So I think there's going to be some there, but I think the Sens do just enough. So Sens plus one and a half. Yeah, that's the thing is I actually have no idea where this line is going to go. I think it'll depend on how the rest of this week goes going into Saturday. It wouldn't shock me if it's close to a pick on with how bad the Jets are right now. You know what? I'm just going to again. Last week it worked. Four for four going hard. So let's go hard again. The Sens are going to pick up the win. The Habs are going to sneak into third place. Let's go. I just want to also say that I reserve the right to change my plus one and a half. Um, if the line comes out and it's like Sens minus 250 plus one and a half i'm not betting that like that that's just that's just silly so stay tuned out out, out over six i i haven't changed this year yet but that's just one of those things like if it's anywhere in the mid 100s then i'll do it i'll just throw it into a parlay which i usually do with my picks um but if it's if it's going to be a pick them as you said and and the sends are getting terrible money on that then i'll then i I might i might flip-flop to the jets and but we'll see but but my gut right now i'm sends plus one and a half so then we'll move into the final game, the Canucks versus Oilers. And I'm just going to touch on this one first. I'm going Oilers here. And I am going to add a second bet for this one. Connor McDavid Ooh. over two and a half points. <laughs> Not just taking that over a point or over. I think he's going to have a three-point game. This guy's going to get over 100 points. He's just dominating the Canucks right now. He's going to put up three points. They're going to win easily. The Oilers look good when McDavid's at his top. And the Canucks have nothing to play for anymore. They're tired. They're playing a ton of games right now. So McDavid's going to take it to them. I'm taking Oilers. Let's go puck line and add in McDavid over two and a half points. I I mean, I like it. I'm not going to count that uh, McDavid prop against your, uh, against your record. Don't worry about that. Um, I, 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 I mean, Oilers money line seems like the obvious answer here. I I can't come up with a storyline that, you know, gives Vancouver any reason. I mean, I guess you could say, well, they beat the Leafs a couple weeks ago, a couple. Uh, yeah, no. Um, if you don't think that the Oilers are going to be motivated, I know they've got second place pretty well locked up. If you don't think that they're going to be motivated to get McDavid over hundred points then you're out of your mind. So yeah, I mean, I, I pretty much this whole game will be give it to McDavid. Doesn't matter where it is. It could be a freaking empty net and it's a two on O and they'll wait for McDavid to come from behind the net so they can get him the point. Seriously. Like it, it could be that ridiculous. I love the over two and a half points. I've got Oilers bunny line here though. So Burke, we're going to move into our locks. Do you want to go first or do you want me to take it first? Ah, you can take it first. I think, I think I, I think I went after Jake last week, but uh, I haven't quite, I haven't quite haven't decided. I like to, I like to make my locks kind of on the fly here. So I'm going to do a really spicy one here. Ooh, yes. This is a really spicy lock. You know what? Columbus is a dumpster fire right now. They are horrible. You're not going to do it. I'm going to do it. Stop it. No, don't do it. it. No. I'm going to lock in the Detroit Red Wings (laughs) this week. I think Columbus is that bad. I think the number is going to be really good profit-wise. So I'm going to take Detroit money line. Jakob Verana's looked great for them. They've actually showed a little bit of promise and Columbus is just really bad. So Detroit's going to pick up a win on Saturday and I'm going all out real spicy lock this week might hurt the record, but 
Got to try and change it up and throw a good number in that. I'm tired of taking these minus 180s or minus 200. Let's throw a good one in there. Man, now you're putting me on the spot because I, I want to take an easy one just so that I can preserve my 100%. But as I said, I keep mixing it up every single week. So um, don't want to do that. Jeez. Uh, I don't know. I'm, I'm just looking at this list that I'm like, ah, uh, there's just, it, it, I, there's so many that, and this happens every week, right? Where you see, you're like, oh, this is definitely a shoe in. And then it goes the opposite way. Um, oh, geez. Give me, um, oh my gosh. Give me the Phoenix coyotes over the San Jose sharks, 10 30 PM on Saturday. What year is this? I don't know. I know. Because you just called them Phoenix. Oh, sorry. Arizona. So I'm born in 94, buddy. So are you. Like, we grew up with them as Phoenix. Arizona Coyotes over San Jose Sharks, 10.30 p.m. Saturday. Um, as you kind of said earlier, you know, Arizona's fighting for fighting for playoffs here. Uh, the Sharks are not fighting really for anything. So there, there definitely has to be some desperation. I mean, the Sharks are going to be the home team as well. So, um, yeah, like Phoenix has got to get Phoenix has got to get it done. They're sitting in fifth. They're five points back of uh, of St. Louis. St. Louis has got they, St. Louis has got to win as well. But hey, I mean, you're five points back and you got three games in hand. If you want any chance whatsoever, then you got to win all of your games outright. Um, so lock it up. Arizona Coyotes, not Phoenix. Arizona Coyotes, money line over the Sharks. Yeah, man, that's a real hot take because by the time they get around to Saturday, they could be eliminated from the playoffs. As well, all St. Not, Louis has to do is get one win. No, and they're not. No. Arizona is eliminated. No, they're not going to. No, no. I don't know. I, I'm riding with it. As I said, I fully expect to lose my 100% record by the end of the year. I would be shocked if I if I had it. I mean, this is this is the same thing as gambling on football in week 17, right? Where you're like, at this point, it's like you're throwing darts at a at a board. Like you have no idea what's what, who's playing, who's resting, what's going on, what teams are fighting for. Who knows? Yeah, it's 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 just a mess. But um, as I said, I stick by it. Give me Arizona. I think they get it done. Well, I like this too. Our locks are way better odds this week. They're going to be way better than some of the odds we hand out most weeks. I mean, we don't know the lines on Tuesday and Wednesday when we do the pod. So I think that makes it a little tougher, but I like the odds this week should give the, the listeners, if we can win both these a lot better chance of making some more money. Can we just acknowledge that I saw the line on the weekend that Carolina was like minus three fifty? Yeah. What team? How? I was losing my mind because Toronto was minus, I think, 300 or 320. And they were only the third craziest odds in hockey. <laughs> there was a 390 and a 350. It was insane. I'm like, even if you parlay all three of these together, it doesn't make any sense. And again, it's hockey. What was the line the last time? Minus 400 for Toronto or minus 410 over Vancouver? Over Vancouver and yeah. they lost. Yeah, It's hockey. The odds should never be that bad. These no. minus 250s make a ton of sense for sure. But when it gets that crazy, it's just stupid. I feel like any time that there's a, there's a line that's minus anything above minus 400, you have to take the other team. It, it should just be an auto bet, honestly. I mean, in football, it's a different story, right? If you see like the Chiefs versus like like last year, for example, if it was Chiefs versus Jets and the line I think was like minus 10,000, okay probably don't take the jets because they're not going to win. Like it just, there's, football is a lot different, 
right? Like the minus 390 games in football, again, like those are ones that are like, you, you probably have the fourth versus the, <clears throat> the the 11th or 10th seed, right? That's probably what you're looking at for those. Hockey, I don't care what team you are, man. Like, no. Like minus 400 is outrageous. And this is why in football and basketball even you have spreads. Hockey, you can't do that because it's one bounce can be the difference in the game. Football, basketball, not as much. I like it. Well, so that's uh, so. Let's see how our picks go out this week. I mean, we agree on a couple, we disagree on a couple. Our locks are completely different on, and we should have better odds this week. So this is going to shape it. Uh, shape it. We got a couple weeks left. This is, I think, our is it our second last week or our third last week of regular season over uh, over six picks here. Um, yeah, all this COVID's up. really screwing me up. If we have two or three weeks left, they keep adding games, changing games. So we think we got at least two weeks left after this one. And then, I mean, we're going to give out some picks for uh, playoffs. Not so much the uh, picks each week, but we'll definitely touch base on all the rounds. Yeah, because I think that, like, for the last week, like, there's no American teams playing. I think the last game is Wednesday, May 19th, between the Canucks and the Flames. Um, So, I mean, probably our last week is going to be... Yeah, like, it's it's probably going to be... Oh, this week actually, what what's today actually? Well, today's okay. Today's the fourth, so next week might be our last true picks then. Well, they can't. It might not even be because Friday, Saturday, Sunday are all single games, right? So we might not. Have, this this might be our last week. Wow, it's crazy. That, that's this... not, that snuck up on us quick. Yeah, I mean it did. I mean, I know things were supposed to be over by the middle of May. I just thought COVID pushed everything back, but I guess not as many games as I was thinking. Not not at all, right? So I think so you look at Monday and, you know, Monday's got a whole slate of games. So yeah, like I mean, we're basically um yeah, this is our last week of of regular season over 6 NHL picks because next week, I mean, you've got uh, as I said, you know, Wednesday's Wednesday there's a few games, but then, you know, Thursday Again, there's a couple like Wild Blues, Kings, Avalanche, Friday, Leafs, Jets, Saturday, Canucks, Oilers, Sunday, Flames, Canucks, Tuesday, Flames, Canucks, Wednesday, Flames, Canucks. Like, it, there's no point in picking those games because the, both those teams are going to be eliminated. If they're eliminated, why would you even bother playing them? No, you should just do what baseball does and at the end of the year. Other than I think it matters for players' salary, but baseball, if the games don't matter at the end of the year because of rain down and stuff, they just don't play them. Why bother? I'm fine with that. So anyway, well, Cam, I'm sad to say that our regular season over six picks will be done after this week. This is our last one. But the good news is, is that we then reset our picks for the playoffs and we will post our regular season record. Now we all, and and we started, I think in February, right? So we almost got the full season in. Yeah, we got a lot of the season in and yeah, I'll be straight up and I'll post how many games we actually won and lost our percentages. We want to be transparent on our Twitter and on this podcast. If we're winning or losing, we're going to tell you. Well, and it's normal to go on coolers and we both went on coolers. Like I was on a three week cooler and I was at like 40% and now I'm up to 65. All you have to do is pick it up. And this is why we do what we do. So, uh, so now I'm really nervous about that Phoenix lock because if I hit it, then I'm hundred percent on locks for the season. So now I'm like, man, I should just take the easy way out. (laughs) It's a lot of pressure on a team that you can't even remember what they're called. I know freaking Phoenix, freaking Phoenix, Arizona, whatever. They, they, they got to move to Quebec city anyway. So, um, all right. Well, that is good. So cam, I know that we've got our, uh, we we had it we had an issue with our with our giveaway 
last week. Yeah, I mean, we thought we had some very loyal listeners who listened to the entire pod, but I guess uh, one person didn't show up last couple of weeks, so they don't win the prize. That's the deal. That that was the deal. We did give them till Monday morning, and that did not uh, that did not happen. So what we're gonna do is we're gonna put everybody else who did its uh, name back in, and we're gonna draw it right now. And again, just as a reminder, this is for. Uh, over six, uh, over six swags. So you get a hat, you get a shirt. We got everything. I'm wearing it now. Hats are great. Hats are comfy. I'm hearing really positive reviews. Cam, we still got to get you your stuff. Yeah, darn COVID. I can't even go see you and uh, get my stuff. All right. Well, I just like to. I, I got the. I got the random draw here ready to go. I just like to let everybody know that uh, I. I, as I said I'm doing it random. I heard when uh, uh, some of our other listeners were disappointed that they didn't win. Don't worry. We'll have other stuff. You can also purchase our over six swag. If you want, just hit me up uh, at Zach Burke over six or TTC text the cell. If you've got it, not giving it out on the way on the waves. Um, but let's do the draw cam. And uh, as I said, random.org, we're going to draw it. And are you ready for this one? Yeah, I am ready. Let's do it. All right. The winner of the over six sports swag is number four mitchell greenwood congratulations mitchell greenwood you have won the over six sports swag and small biz giveaway uh hit us up and we will hook you up with 25 dollars to a local small business of your choice and your choice of a hat or over six sports tea. Congratulations, Mitch. Yeah. So again, you have till Monday morning to let us know or Sunday night at midnight to let us know. Hopefully we have some more loyal listeners and we get this prize because we don't want to keep handing it out. We want to do different prizes. We want to do other prizes. We want to get more listeners. That's what this is all about. Helping out small businesses and helping get more listeners for us. Yes, sir. And uh, to everybody who lost, as Cam just said, keep following the pod. We'll have other stuff ready to go. We're going to keep supporting small businesses, and that's why you tune in. Cam, before we head out, we got a few more things on the docket to talk about, mainly the Toronto Blue Jays and George Springer. Yeah, I mean, he said he was tired of being on the IL, which I get. You've just got signed a contract for $150 million to play for this team, and you haven't played for them yet. It's got to be frustrating. I don't think anybody wants to get injured. I know there's people on Twitter, on Facebook, on media, on radio who are upset with him. I mean, you can't be upset at a guy. It's not like he wants to be injured. He wants to be playing baseball. That's why he signed this deal for six years. He wants to be playing baseball for the Toronto Blue Jays. It was super exciting there. He came back, two home runs the other game, really was the difference maker, and he saw everything that we're paying $150 million to have. But now he's injured again. <laughs> The only thing, yeah, like he hits the one, like he grabs his leg going down on a simple run, like a simple ground out, grabs his leg. I'm like, man, I get the frustration. Like, like 29, uh, 2020, sort of 2020, like I, like I had an injury. I couldn't play sports. I couldn't play for my hockey team, couldn't curdle. And my curling team was in a really good position to win the league. And I had to sit over six weeks. And I also had that feeling of like, man, I need to get back in there and I'm not getting paid anything. So I can only imagine how somebody who's who's making that kind of money and playing for a team this exciting, wanting to be a part of that. But George, 
let's just remember this, buddy. There's 162 games. 162, man. Like they're they're 20% through the season, something like that, pretty close to that, 18%, 20% through the season. If you miss 40%, you still have a ton of games to play. You're still going to have like like 96 games you're going to play to 62. That's fine. Take the time, man. Make sure that you're ready to go because if you have this nagging injury all season long, you're not helping anybody. You're not helping yourself. You're not helping the Jays. The Jays are going to be fine. They're sitting a game above 500. They're in second place in the AL East. They're a game out of a wild card spot, right? They get a couple guys back from injuries. And they've been plagued by injuries, uh, especially as we've talked about this on the pitching staff. But guys like Vladdy, guys like Bichette, they're pulling their weight enough that you can take a night off or a week off or another two weeks off. Get yourself 100% right and make sure that for the important part, the push at the end of the season, that you're ready for that. Yeah, exactly. And the injuries just keep hitting this Jays team. They've really struggled at catcher hitting the ball. Alejandro Kirk finally getting it going, and he's now out six weeks. And I don't know if you've seen it the last few nights. Danny Jansen has tried no glasses, his sports glasses. He's gone to, like, reading-style glasses. It's not the glasses, Danny Jansen. You're just not very good at hitting the baseball. The guy's hitting .082. They really needed Kirk, and him without six weeks is going to suck. Do you think that you or I could hit .082? Man, I got to be able to close my eyes and swing and at least make contact with one of these, don't I? Like, I think so. It's You're a major league player. You should be able to hit better than that. I don't expect you to hit 250, 300. 150 should be reasonable expectation. Somewhere pushing 200 should be a reasonable expectation. I get it. You're a great defensive catcher. You work really good with pitchers. But at some point, you need some production. It's, it's, yeah, like it's absolutely insane. Like it's too bad. You can't get a pinch hitter and for him every time, like use it, like use that DA spot and just allow him to play, allow him to just catch, but that's not how it works, unfortunately. So can we not DH our catcher and have our pitcher hit? Cause I bet you some of our pitchers could hit better than Danny Jansen. <laughs> oh, probably. We got some pitchers that can rake. Absolutely. Like let's um, get to Grom or Bumgarner or Stroman in here and let them hit when they pitch and don't have Danny Jansen. We're going to DH for our catcher. You know what? I think what's really happening is is that Danny Jansen's gonna he's he's over six picks. That's what he's doing. He's starting off slow, and then he's gonna start hammering the ball later in the season, right? Because I mean, he's the he's the best kit, catcher on the team. I don't think there's a doubt about that. I just think you got to call him a nobody. That's that's the only oh, way he's gonna get oh, out of the you know slump, what? right? That's exact. That's exact. You know what? I'll do it right now. Danny Jansen, you bum. Like just doing nothing out there. Yeah, you can throw the ball the second and get guys out. Well, that's freaking nice. How about you get up there and hit you bum? Like seriously, such a nobody when it comes to the plate. Is that good enough? Yeah, and I mean, then we got to talk about a somebody. We've been waiting for it for so long the last couple of years, and Vladdy just keeps hitting. Like I, you wonder if this is just a really hot stretch. Baseball players do that all the time, but he's still hitting over three fifty, and he has an on base percentage of close to five hundred. His at-bats are just so much better than they've been in the years past. This looks like what he did at double-A, triple-A in the minors. This looks like the Vladdy that everyone talked about as being the top prospect in baseball. This is what the scouting reports were talking about, right? They basically said, like, this guy has generational talent, swing very similar to his dad, weight is a problem, and he can be a liability in the infield. That's basically his scouting report, but an unreal bat. Well, I'm going to here to tell you right now, that he's lost weight. The, some of the plays that he's making on the infield are 
phenomenal. The guy's doing splits left, right, and center because, like, Bo and Simeon can't apparently throw it to him right on the bag. Like, I don't know what's going on over there, but, like, this guy's making unreal plays in the infield and batting how he's batting. Like, I, if, if this place pace continues up all season, I know we're biased, but, like, does this guy not get – how does he not get MVP votes? Well, I mean, there's definitely a couple other guys who are really high up there. Trout, Acuna. I know Acuna's in the NL. But Tr- Mike Trout's always going to be there. But, yeah, he's got to be up in the conversation right now. Has that's, to be. that's how good he is playing right now, which is crazy. Because the last few years, I've been questioning. I'm like, is this guy – like, he's still good. He's an average – he was an average third baseman. And it just was disappointing with everything you heard from him. I mean, he's definitely not – Justin Smoke or Matt Olson or some of those elite defenders at first, but he's above average defender at first. I wouldn't even say he's average. He's above average at first base defending, which if you told me that we can get above average defending from Vlad and he can hit like he's supposed to hit, I'd take that any day of the week. I don't care if he's at first or third. If he can hit 350, I'll take him anywhere on the diamond. This is the crazy part is, is like when we had talked about this a couple of weeks ago, we were both kind of like, yeah, like Bichette's the guy, kind of the guy that we want, right, to build our team around. If you could only have one, Vladdy or Bichette, if Vladdy keeps playing like this all year and you can only keep one, how can you not take Vladdy? Like, don't get me wrong. Bichette's good. Bichette gets doubles. He gets, you know, he had a dinger the other night. Like, he's got the flow. He's got the charisma. But how can you take, like, if, if, if Vladdy ended the year at, 350 average 500 on base percentage and he's playing unreal and in the infield like you you can't ship that away there's just no way well that's a crazy thing about Bichette this year is he has not been very good at shortstop he's had a ton of errors he's had a he's been lucky with a lot he probably should have more errors than he's been credited with he hasn't been very good I still think you got to suck it up at short he has the potential and that's a position of need but he's got a short leash now at shortstop. You still want that bat in the lineup. He's still hitting while he's still hitting 266, over 300 on base. Seven home runs. Like, he's still a great hitter. But now you're watching Vladdy be above average at first, Bo be below average at short. Vlad is hitting it arguably top 10, top 5, top 3 in the entire league. And Bichette's still above average hitter. Right now, we're it's a completely different conversation than before the year. Oh, and absolutely. Now, the one thing that I will say, though, is Vladdy's, this is year three for him, right? And this is year two, this is year two for Bo. So this Bo Bichette is kind of like year two Vladdy. It's very similar, right? And we've seen that with that, uh, whatever, the sophomore slump or whatever you want to call it, right? Like we, we've seen that before where you come out, lights out year one, you're happy to be in the big leagues. Year two, you have a little setback. And then year three, you really kind of see where the true potential is. We, we see that with quarterbacks all the time. We see that with NHL players all the time. Um, I mean, I still have hopes that uh, Bichette's going to turn this year around. I think he's still a long-term piece of the Jays. Um, I, I just, I, yeah, he, he hasn't met expectations this year, but I'm not too worried about it though. But that takes nothing away from Vladdy, man. This guy is, is, is special and really fun to watch. Yeah, and that's the thing. They did come up into the majors at the same time with the weird the way that their service time works. So they will be up in the same year, came in the same year. But yeah, we just thought Bichette looked like such a better prospect the last two years. And right now it looks like Guerrero is finally living up to potential and we just got to enjoy it. Again, one of those things where sometimes we're overcritical of like Bichette and Guerrero and everything. We just got to sit back and enjoy it while they're doing this well. When we're talking about Matthews or McDavid, same thing. Let's just enjoy watching this. 
like there's only so many times you'll see this in sport. Yeah, we can question it, compare it to different things. Oh, he's not going to keep this up. Oh, the division's weak. We talk about the AL. Oh, it's a hitter's hitter's thing. Let's just enjoy watching these guys do this. It's super impressive what they're doing. Let's enjoy it. I I can't say it better myself, man. It's it's uh, I, I look forward to the rest of the year. This this is the I've always watched baseball, you know, probably one or two games a week. I mean, they're playing baseball right now. That's almost, it's a must watch game every night, or at least you watch the highlights every night because you're like, okay, what did Vladdy do this game? Right. What did Bo do this game? Well, you know, what happened? Cause you got, you got to find out. So last thing before we, uh, before the last topic I want to talk about before we head out, um, did you see what LeBron James was saying about the NBA? Yeah, I am getting a little tired of LeBron James talking, to be honest. I I think that's an understatement. So for anybody who didn't see it, LeBron was talking. So the the Lakers are sitting in fifth in the uh, in the Western Conference in the NBA, and the NBA is doing a, is doing a play in style tournament again this year, and LeBron is has the potential to be in that play in tournament last year when the Lakers were in first place, they didn't have to worry about it. Right. They just, they just played their round robin games against other teams just for warm up, and it was all fine and dandy. And LeBron came out and said, I love the play in tournament. It's given everybody a fair shake in a weird season. This thing, that blah, blah, blah. Now that LeBron is in that position, he came out and said, whoever made that shit up deserves to be fired and that is a direct quote from lebron james about this like bro i'm sorry you cannot have like and 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 you'd be like well i changed my mind no like you no absolutely not like and this is after the raptors dummied them the other night and the raptors are one of those teams that are going to be in that possibly somehow don't know how they're going to be in that playing tournament (laughs) and it could actually maybe do some damage and make the playoffs like I, I just find it such a sore loser and just a loser thing to say in general. Yeah, that's just what's so frustrating. If you're a good team, you wouldn't be saying that. You don't see Utah Jazz coming out and saying that. Donovan Mitchell is not coming out and complaining about it. You know what wouldn't shock me, though? With the way the NBA is, if they cancel the play-in tournament tomorrow. Because LeBron James gets the star treatment. He gets what he wants. I mean, I don't think it's actually going to happen. But... I mean, yeah, it's just super frustrating. LeBron does this all the time. If he's not getting his way, he's got to go public. He's got to say it. Like, get over it. I'm a little tired of him just talking and always always needing to get his way. He's a generational talent. He's the best player in the NBA, I, in my opinion. And, and been, arguably, arguably best all time. Yeah, he's been the best player I've really seen in my lifetime. But shut up sometimes. Like, this is where... Like, almost the opposite of hockey players. I think hockey players need to speak up more a lot of the time. Basketball players need to shut up more. We need to find that happy medium. And LeBron just, like, you're not getting your way. You're a star, so you got to say something to try and get your way because your team's not very good this year. Your team's not going to win. You're going to be embarrassed if you get beat out in the play-in tournament. That's the only reason you're saying this. And I just like to say that, like, Michael Jordan would not, if this was the same situation, Jordan would not come out and say that. You know what Jordan would do? Jordan would go out and win. And yeah, and whether whether you as a teammate you didn't like his his the way he did things or whatever, like Jordan put his money where his mouth is. Same with like guys like Mark Messier. They put the team on their back and said, I don't really care what anybody else says. We're not in the best spot. I'm gonna just gonna go out and win. So I mean, LeBron, take notes, man. You wanna get compared to the greatest of all time, then you gotta act like it. Yeah, and there's nothing worse than superstars in leagues whining about stuff. You're a superstar. 
if you're that good, especially in the NBA when it's a star-driven league and one player can be a difference, just go win it. Go do your part. You have you, yourself, Anthony Davis. You should be able to beat any team in the playing game. Just go do your job. Instead, you're getting dusted by guys like Malachi Flynn from the Toronto Raptors. Now he's the rookie of the month, but come on. You you should beat the Raps. That's the thing. If they were playing in the East, I think he'd be even more worried because the Raptors are a team nobody wants to play in these play-in games because they just they're have honestly I think the greatest coach right now in the NBA. If he can get this done with the lineups they've had this year, I think he should win Coach of the Year whether they make the play-in tournament or not. It's ridiculous what he's done. I know it's not the way it works. Teams near the top will always end up getting Coach of the Year, but Nick Nurse is just an insane coach. They've had a ridiculous amount of starting lineups. I think the most in NBA history, the most different starting lineups. It's been absolutely nuts. And yeah, they're, they're kind of right there. And man, like I just, the last thing again on this, and I don't want to dwell on it forever, but you think the Lakers are regretting not trading for old man Lowry now, Dr. Lowry. I mean, he puts up 37 points the other night and I kind of think it was a fuck you game. Like I, I know that Lowry didn't really want to leave the wraps. I mean, I think he would have accepted to go to a championship team. I think that was the overall consensus. It seemed like he was ready to go and figured he would be traded. And the Lakers were rumored to have wanted him. And then everybody kind of lowballed the wraps on him. Lowry stays on the Raptors and he's like, okay, you don't, you don't like my value. I'm going to do what I've done my whole career. And I'm going to go out and dump a bunch of points on you and show you what I'm made of. Yeah, exactly. And I, they, they could use a player like Lowry. They could use a guy who seems to just care and shut up and get the job done. And that doesn't seem to be what LeBron wants to do at the moment. So, yeah, I'm just I'm, – I'm tired of LeBron always speaking about this stuff and complaining. That's – same reason I didn't like Crosby for most of his start of the career. You're a superstar. Stop whining. Yep. And I and as I said, I think we can just leave it at that. So, uh, Cam, before we head out for next week, we don't have a second episode this week. We're not going to do a CFL draft recap. So, uh, <laughs> uh, so we'll, we're going to chat next week. And, and by next week, we'll have uh, kind of the full playoff picture for the most part um, uh, in the NHL. So, so hopefully next week we can kind of do some previews of the series that are upcoming um i think that that'll be awesome and we'll be able to kind of recap our uh you know where we had position wise for uh for the north and so it's going to be a good pod next week yeah i'm looking forward to it i'm really looking forward to the playoffs to just deep dive more on these u.s teams now that we can kind of narrow it down to 12 teams to kind of look at instead of everybody else other than the seven teams in canada and really get a deep dive on these teams and kind of where everyone stands and it's just a super exciting time playoff hockey is the best kind of hockey couldn't say it better myself, man. It's uh, I, I was, you know, listening to the Beeb song, his tribute to the Leaps on the radio, and it just got me pumped up for the NHL playoffs. And uh, so again, just to reiterate, uh, Mitch Mitchell Greenwood hit us up at Over Six Sports at Zach Brook Over Six at C Charlton Turf uh, to uh, claim your Over Six prize. If you don't by Monday morning, then we will move on to the next person. And uh, as always, as I said, you can follow us on Twitter at Over Six Sports, at Zach Brook Over Six, and at C Charlton Turf. And as always, you can leave us uh, reviews on uh, Apple Podcasts. We greatly appreciate it. Uh, we share our links on our social media every week. If you get an opportunity, just give us a quick share. Share us with a friend. Uh, we really appreciate it. Yeah, let's uh, have another good week of hockey. Let's go see some more Cole Caulfield overtime goals, and uh, let's look forward to the playoffs.
I'd prefer not, but hey, whatever, man, whatever floats your boat. I'm happy when uh, when Cam enjoys his boy, and uh, I mean, when the Leafs get uh, through the first round, fingers crossed, uh, and hopefully make it to the cup final, then I'll be happy about that. So for the Over 6 Sports Podcast, I am Zach the Bandit Burke, and with me, as always, you can keep looking at me, I'm still not going to say it, you're with Cameron Charlton. The Turf King. Thanks for listening to Over Six Sports. We will chat with you next week.